0: Instead of discarding precious metals, why not create beautiful jewellery that tells stories of love? Hello and welcome to the Circular Economy podcast, where we find out how circular approaches are better for people, planet and profit. I'm Catherine Wheatman of Rethink Global, and I'll be chatting with those people making the circular economy happen rethinking how we design, make and use everything. We'll talk to entrepreneurs and business owners, social enterprises and leading thinkers. You'll find the show notes, links and transcripts at circulareconomypodcast.com where you can subscribe to updates and our fortnightly edition of Circular Insights. Welcome back, it's episode 76 and whether you're one of our growing band of regular listeners or you're listening for the first time, thanks for downloading. Today, I'm talking to another of the brilliant entrepreneurs at the Upcycle Centrum in Almira in the Netherlands. Isolde de Rida is a circular jeweller and goldsmith. She founded her business, Isolde de Rida Sieraden, in 2017 to create high-end jewellery with the greatest care for both people and planet. Isolde gives discarded metals and other materials a second life, contributing to a better world for future generations. Isolde began her education to become a goldsmith in 2006 to combine her passion for gemstones, creativity and working with her hands. She's inspired by nature, gemstones ancient civilizations and also more recent art movements. We talk about why reusing discarded precious metals is more complicated than it sounds and how Isolde is encouraging people to bring old jewellery back to life using her storytelling and design skills to help people repurpose jewellery and other materials into things they'll treasure and that remind them of their loved ones. Isolda tells us about her early interests and how they led her to start this business, how she became disillusioned with the ethics of fair mind and fair trade gold, and how that sparked the ideas for becoming a circular economy jeweller. Isolda describes some of the kinds of jewellery she designs, and how she uses old objects to embed precious memories into the finished product. In the process of researching Isolda's work ahead of the podcast, I realised that Isolde could help me solve a problem. My husband had lost his wedding ring. Let's meet Isolde now and I'll catch up with you afterwards with my takeaways and our creative solution for the missing wedding ring. I start the conversation by asking Isolde to explain what her business does. Of course we can start with that. Um, I'll try to
1: keep it short. I design and make jewellery out of um,
0: discarded materials. It's as simple as that. And you're at the, based at the Upcycle Centrum in Almira, and we've already heard from one of the entrepreneurs there. And also yes. uh, we had a, uh, a really great interview with uh, Heda Rizocchi, who's the um, customer manager there. Yes. And she kind of explained the whole premise of the Upcycle Centrum, which is that... Um, it does three things, but one of those things is it acts as a recycling centre for, um, for the municipality. Yes. So people are bringing back waste materials and so on. And the entrepreneurs that it's supporting are working with specific niches in those waste materials to create something of high value. So it's definitely yeah. not downcycling. No. But your, your business struggles a bit with that. Because the well, there is some recycled gold and silver, isn't there, coming back in e waste? Um, Yeah. But there are. Can you can you explain the issues with with uh, if you know if you were trying to build a jewelry making business around reclaimed materials from e waste? Oh, that's uh, that's
1: that's been my main focus for the past almost one and a half year because. I thought since there is quite some uh, precious metals in e-waste, uh, I would extract it and just take that and make it into new jewelry. Um, but the precious metals are so embedded and, and impossible to regain access to them in a well small business way. Mm course there's the big e-waste companies that um, process it and um,
0: yeah and and have having equipment worth hundreds of thousands worth, of pounds that's all yeah. set up to do it yeah
1: that's set to do it and for me I, I found it super challenging to um, take it back into circulation because it's a very thin layer or of silver or gold uh, on top of another material which has a very similar melting point. So, I I had I had hoped that it would be possible to thermally um, remove the precious metals and discard the rest. Um, sadly, that was not as easy as I had hoped. Um, and in the past more than a year, I've not been able to regain any precious metals that way.
0: Mm. And it's not. So this kind of goes back to the design of the electronic materials in the first place, doesn't it? And we we'll not go into the details of that, but it it kind of speaks to the need for circular design. So designing with the next use in mind, making things that yeah. are much easier to take apart, not you know, trying not to blend materials, trying to use fixings like in my fairphone, where a single screwdriver will take out the module, although that's still the module. It doesn't get you to the um, the base metals inside. So there are all sorts of, of issues there. Um, so how have you had to pivot in terms of finding materials to make your jewellery? What, what are you doing instead?
1: Um, well, first of all, there's people that got... Uh, word that I am one of the entrepreneurs in the Upcycle Center. And so they actually hand in their old precious metals, especially silver. Uh, It's way uh, easier to discard of silver than it is to discard of gold because of the value we put on gold. Um, But yeah, so there's people actually coming to me with a bag full of old silver jewelry and saying, hey, maybe you can use this. Um, In the clothing container, there's very often also jewellery discarded. Uh, So the second way I get my materials is uh, digging through all the jewellery that are being brought in and picking out the ones that I suspect firstly uh, that are silver or gold and then testing them and if they prove to be precious metals, I reuse them.
0: Mm. So, um, so you are having to be pretty enterprising, aren't you, in terms of spotting waste streams or encouraging people to think differently about stuff that might be lying in the in the back of drawers or that um, you know Granny left to them twenty years ago and they've never actually worn it. Um, yeah, and I am curious to know what what led you to create. Um, the business, the jewellery business?
1: Well, then we go way, way back because I, I started my education 16 years ago. Um, and I started it because I, I did another, another education first, uh, which didn't spark any joy when I had finished it. And I thought, if this is what I need to do for a living for the rest of my life, I'm going to be so unhappy So I was looking for something that would feed my creativity, would give me the freedom to make my own choices, be my own boss. Um, Still, I I enjoy working with people or for people. Uh, So that was something that I took into account as well. And I just started looking through creative educations. Um, All of them didn't appease me. Uh, until I uh, was at a wedding, had a t- talk with someone who was in the school for jewellery makers. And um, at that moment, I was intrigued. And I thought, I'll just have a look at the school. And I just fell in love with the profession. It's, uh, uh, it's creative, but it's also technical. So there's so much to learn. I'll, I think I'll never
0: get bored. Yeah and that's a, that's a great ambition in life isn't it to have a job where yeah. you never get bored that's yeah that's fantastic and i love the way that you were so clear about what it was you needed from a job uh, you know that's uh,
1: yeah that's uh, cuz I I, I I didn't I really discover
0: that till i was in my 40s <laughs> so it's great to hear about somebody kind of starting off on the on the on a clear yeah. pathway
1: i was i was 21 and i was just n- not I I'd finished my education and working it was just it was a dread
0: so so yeah so that that's kind of how I had got no to, option <laughs> feels, <laughs> it feels like I had no else. other option <laughs> I had to do something else so uh, so that that led you to the jewellery making and the kind of the, you know the craft and the skills around that but what about the you know, making jewellery from waste metals. Where did, where did that angle come from?
1: Um, in 2017, I um, started my company. And I had heard that there was the option of working with fair trade metals. Mm-hmm. So I signed up for that. And by the end of 2019, I got a letter from from the company that provided this service that they would stop this within uh, Benelux, so Belgium, Mm -hmm. Netherlands and and Luxembourg, uh, because um, it was not profitable enough. And um, I thought... Asking questions is always the best way to expand your knowledge. How, how did they come to this decision? Well, it was actually their profit when, where I made the decision to work with fair trade metals because I wanted to improve the working conditions and, and fees, working fees, for the people involved. Um, but apparently, not enough goldsmiths were making the transit to fair trade so, within, within the Netherlands, they stopped. Um, so, I had a look into the new um, company that rose up for this demand, uh, which is a, called Fair Mind. And I discovered that it's mainly white people working under absolutely better uh, conditions and earning a decent. Western fee for their labor, but still it does nothing for the people that inhibit the country or the, the area where the gold is found. So it still didn't feel very fair to me. And in my research, I also discovered that, well, we're depleting the earth quite fast and quick from from what we have all the metals that are available. And, yes, I, I just heard recently we discovered a new vein. but And we'll probably keep on discovering new veins in natural environments that we just better leave alone. Mm. So that's when, at the end of 2019, with the research I was doing, I came to the conclusion that I was not okay with being a part of that anymore. Um So I came to a turning point. Do I want to keep on doing the work I do? Or am I going to go in a completely different direction? Because this doesn't sit well with me at all. And this is not how I want to contribute to Earth. And the people inhibiting it. So I started puzzling on how to not use fair mind not use new materials because that might be considered even worse and the only conclusion i came to is there's so much jewelry in everyone's possession just lying around doing nothing and it's so easy actually to renew the metals and make new stuff out of it mm. And I saw this as, as my only option to keep on doing what I love doing.
0: Yeah. There's a a professor in Cambridge who's done calculations to say that we already have enough steel in the world to never need to create any, any more steel. And I think there are probably lots of other um, metals, minerals, resources that we could look at differently and look at how can we. Do something with what we already have, and and of course that's yeah. at the heart of the circular economy, isn't it? So that well, I re-
1: discovered that a couple of months after I made the decision to work solely with discarded materials. So I I discovered uh, February 2020 that there was actually a term for what I wanted to do. Right. Um, I was at a festival which was which is held yearly in the Omnia. Um. I had a couple of talks with other circular entrepreneurs and it was such an inspiration to see that I was not the only one trying to save the planet and do that in a way that it is well causing less impact Mm -hmm. I will never say I, I, I don't cause any impact because yes I still work with chemicals I still work with um gas to to heat up the metals. So yeah, there's no no guarantee it's it's zero emission, but I'm very conscious of that contribution you make with another decision.
0: Mm. Yeah, and I think it's it's another one of those circular economy businesses, you know, that might be a a solopreneur or a very small micro business. But what it's helping to do is start conversations with people, people who hadn't ever thought um, that you know something could Absolutely. be made from recre- by recreating um, using resources that we already have, and realizing that. The story around yeah. that is is more interesting than the thing that you've just walked into a standard jewelers jewelers and bought from the shelf, and that that they probably then tell that story to so many more people because it's more uplifting. It's so important to get those stories out there and to help lots of other people think differently about the 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 value in what we already have and the value of keeping the legacy going even if you recreate the material into something new there's still the the legacy there and the story there and the fact that every one of your customers has done something to help make a better world and and uh, you know reduce our impact on the world so i think it's 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 really Absolutely. important um so and I-, I never
1: expected that I would change the world with what I'm doing. I just want to change the the mindset of
0: people. Mm. Yeah, and I'm and I'm sure I'm sure you're doing exactly that. And I and I think the power of these stories, you know, there's a lot more energy in those stories. And people tell somebody else who then just just as happened with people suddenly getting to hear what you were doing and bringing you silver, you know. People like to spread interesting stories and good news, and particularly like to spread yeah. stories of things that are better for people and planet. Um, and that's yeah. what that's what we need more of is more of those stories and more of people starting to think differently because the way we've been educated by marketers and big businesses isn't the only way that we can live and work. Um, no. You know, there are different ways, and those ways can be more fulfilling. And sometimes cheaper and more interesting, and all the rest of it. So that that brings us on to the, you know, what? Tell us a bit about what kind of jewelry you you make, and what kind of old items have, have come into your hands. Tell us a few a few stories about that.
1: Well, <laughs> I'm not sure if I can take this as one of the examples, but I'm actually having conversations with you and your husband to renew your wedding rings um because he lost his and so i i'm working on um, with the both of you to figure out first of all a good design um and then i have old white gold cuz cuz the rings will be white gold again um all the white gold that i stocked up on uh because i i was able to get my hands on some and yeah so your rings will be made from someone else's old
0: jewelry um combined with your own wedding ring my wedding ring that wasn't lost and was fair trade (laughs) and we'll still implement
1: the the story you've had so far and that yeah i love i love weaving the stories into the jewelry Um, last year i had another customer that had quite some old gold from his mother and his father lying around uh, with old-fashioned designs, so no one was wearing them. And I made it into a a bracelet. Very clean and modern. Very manly. And in this bracelet, and maybe we should redo this whole part, I don't know. (laughs) Um, But in this bracelet, uh, there's, there's the stone the gemstone from his dad's ring the ring he his dad wore for ages he as long as he remembered his dad was wearing this ring um and so it got a special place in the bracelet because well that is something that is the legacy of his parents but now he can walk around with it on a daily basis
0: mm. Yeah, that's so such a nice story, isn't it? About finding a way to again get something out of the back of the drawer, or even worse, being sent off to auction because you can't think of a way of of um you know of using it, and it's just it's just lying there forgotten. But suddenly having something from somebody very close to you, and something that was precious to them um, to to stay with yeah. you. Um, yeah, so. Yeah and I'm I'm sure there are I'm sure it really gets people's imagination going about how they can have something that reconnects with their heritage jewelry and that kind of thing yeah Yeah,
1: yeah and, and that is if you ask me one of the most well precious things you can do with precious metals that are lying around um turn them into something that has current value again
0: mm. Yeah. So and current value not collect, just cut. Not, Yeah, sorry. No,
1: this is this is not just the value of the piece of jewelry itself but also the value of your heritage being able to take that with you literally on a daily basis. We all walk with our heritage metaphorically, but this is a tangible thing that you can do with the the, the rings that your grandma Uh, left behind or um the wedding rings of your grandparents and i i i think it's it's a gorgeous way to to, um give yourself a massive gift and the people on the planet at the same time
0: Mm. yeah that's a lovely way to put it and i think you know that there is so much value isn't there in the the story behind something and knowing that that story goes back beyond just your decision to to acquire something, but that that story can go back whether it's your own heritage or somebody else's heritage that you're now um, keeping in the, in use and um, allowing it to be cherished and and looked after and so on. And yeah, um, I'm guessing the jewelry industry generally. I'm guessing it's getting a bit like fast fashion that yeah. you know you can't have too Definitely. many too many watches and you can't have too many bracelets rings and all the rest of it and the idea is to just keep keep consuming with whatever this quarter's look um is so uh, what yeah, what true. other issues does that does that bring with it is is the jewelry industry overall doing anything to improve its impact on the planet
1: um i can i can just speak for the netherlands because i have to be honest i didn't look into other countries but i'm uh looking into what they are doing here in the netherlands um yes they are absolutely making an effort um they have in 2012 if i'm not mistaken, made a confident ...that they want to recycle 50% of the precious metals by 2030. Um, And as I hear around me from other goldsmiths... ...most of them find this beautiful and ambitious... and, ...and I am a bit disappointed because I think by 2030... ...if things are going the way they've been going for the past decades will have depleted the gold reserves and everyone keeps on saying no we'll probably find a new vein here or there but I keep on repeating at what cost
0: Mm, Exactly.
1: is it going to be in the middle of a village then the village has to move which I think is unacceptable if it's in the middle of a nature reserve um, they don't care they'll just take everything down to get to the gold Mm. and Destroying the planet for something that we have plenty of is unacceptable to me. Mm. So having a goal that in eight years time will recycle 50%. Yeah, I find it disappointing. I mm. thought it would be definitely possible to have 100% coverage by
0: 2030. Mm. Yeah. And it's it's a great point, isn't it, that... You know we're wrecking so many communities and precious ecosystems for something that, um, particularly from the jewelry and watch point of view, um, you know isn't isn't a, a necessary part of our lives. And we've got so many other ways of of reusing what's already there, and it's and it's yeah. and it's not that hard. So it would be good to to have a lot more um, ambition from from the. Kind of um, the wider industry. So Isolde, what what have you struggled with, and what surprised you in the process of, of building your business so far?
1: Um, what have I struggled with? Let's so with that one. Then we end on a happier note. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I've mainly struggled with the re regaining of precious metals. So there there's two things I encountered. The first I thought the e-waste would be a good source, uh, but it's nearly impossible to regain precious metals on a small scale without big environmental impact. Mm -hmm. Um, This is one side of it. The other side is people have a lot of trouble parting with the jewelry they don't use. Because, and I think this is recognizable for everyone, there's stories attached to them. But taking those stories and turning it into a new story is costly. Um, mainly because I work for a European v- fee. Um, I put my hours into it. I have discussions with people on, on their wishes and... All of it is, is time-consuming, which I love doing, don't get me wrong. But for many people, it means that having something made for them is out of reach. And this is something I hear a lot. People are shocked with the prices charged for a custom-made piece. Um, and that that is... Also, if it's not custom-made, I'm still working quite some hours to go through all the waste uh, that is handed to me by the municipality. It takes me up to three hours a week to sift through everything. And if I'm lucky, I'll find 10, 15 grams of silver in a week, Wow! which is one, maybe two new pieces of jewelry. And then the whole process of making it into new jewellery also comes on top of this labour. So people are shocked with the prices of the jewellery. And I think, well, we've been spoiled in a negative way. Because if you buy something new from a jewellery shop, um, nine out of ten times it's manufactured abroad, uh, outside of Europe, wages and working c- conditions are poor. Um, so, as I try to keep on telling people, there's always someone paying the price for this. Mm. And if it's, it's not you, then it's someone else. And if it's someone else, it will generally be uh, with poor living conditions, poor wages, poor working conditions. Mm and and this is a price i'm not willing to pay for it.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's interesting and it's so similar to mainstream fast fashion as well, isn't it? That yeah. um, you know when when we pay less for something, it means somebody or something is being exploited, but those stories are so you know covered up um that it's it's hard for the average person to, to to get to see what's what's really happening it's also opaque yes um the city of new york is um has put some legislation into place that covers all fashion brands insisting that they make their supply chain transparent um so that's quite interesting that a city muni- municipality is insisting on that and it could be groundbreaking um in terms of you know really highlighting the reputation risk that some of these brands have from continuing with the poor practices. So, um, okay. So, and and then has it been a good surprise? You said you were going to save the, the nice bit of that question to the end.
1: Well, yeah, because I also encounter more and more people that are aware that they have precious materials lying around doing nothing. And it's in their eyes a good idea to renew that and blow new life into it so it, it will be not gathering dust anymore. It will be something they, they appreciate, they love wearing. Um, and because there's a, a start of people making these decisions, there's also they're an inspiration for other people to do the same Mm. and that's that's something that is gorgeous to watch. Um in the past 2 years I've gotten more and more customers that consciously make the decision to buy jewelry that are well upcycled or mm. recycled and um the conscious decision to go for something that is more sustainable and more um Taking your environment and, and other people in the planet uh, into account is is
0: growing mm. and are those people finding you through word of mouth or through visiting the upcycle syndrome how 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 is that how is your market growing
1: um, I think a bit of both I think it's both the mouth to mouth hmm because um, if someone is very happy with the new piece they uh, they picked up, they'll tell a friend. And so my name goes around. But also the municipality um, makes us, well, makes us sounds, sounds like we have to, but gives us the opportunity to show what we do to a broader public.
0: Mm. yeah,
1: and that is also creating consciousness um, and it doesn't happen overnight, but yeah, very often people, after a couple of visits on an open open house day, um, do become a customer, so it does absolutely help that the municipality of Amira is um, helping circular entrepreneurs to a bigger exposure bigger public mm.
0: and um, yeah I think it's it's such a brilliant idea and you know every city and town around the around the world could be doing something similar um, it's, yes. it's so inspiring and so um, if you were talking to another business that wanted to start something circular or go more circular what would your um, top tip be Isolde Oh, tricky one. Um, don't
1: get too caught up in uh, your research. This is what happened to me. I spent months and months on researching and researching more. And the more I got to know, the firmer my, my resolute no to the way things are going became, which is a good thing. Um, it straightened out my story quite well. But... I didn't produce any work I was so caught up in the knowledge and the more you get to know the more knowledge will be available it's Mm. I would almost say horrible it's a great great thing that if you know where to look and how to dig that you'll dig up dirt that will definitely make you see that this is the right decision but it took me way too much time
0: yeah, I know so I know on... that well going down all those those um really interesting rabbit holes. <laughs> yeah. On the, on the way to finding what you actually need to know. And so um I'm I'm sure well I I can I can sense that you have deeply held and and um you know very considered um a set of values. Um, personally and in in business. So, which one of those values would you share? And uh, you know, to, that that you think would help people make move us towards a, a better world.
1: Um, for me, it's the love for the planet and the people inhabiting it. Yeah, okay. I deeply love life on Earth, and I want to look myself into the eye in 20 or 30 years and say, I helped make this a better place Uh, for my children, for hopefully the children of my children. um, And if I take it in a broader, hopefully children that are now unable to go to school, educate themselves, become the person they're supposed to be in my eyes, it's just not my kids it's actually all the kids in the world that mm. i wish they they inherit a planet that is still wonderful yeah it's not barren and and depleted but they have a joyful life in a beautiful environment
0: yeah yeah i i love that and i think this concept of keeping what we have in use shows us that we if we get creative and often that creativity is at the level of the of the person um, that you know the person wanting the thing as well as the person creating it but those that creativity and that thinking differently gives us more joy in terms of it it creates more value from what you're doing and gives you a, a spark and so on so there are just so many so many benefits to, to doing things differently instead of being manipulated by big brands to think that, you know, if we only buy this, our lives will be so much better. And within, a, you know, within a few minutes, we realise it's not it's not actually made any difference. No. So um, Isolde, who would you recommend as a future guest for the programme?
1: Um, I, I, I puzzled on that one and I am going to recommend one of my dearest friends, Uh, She's an entrepreneur, so a a mom boss, as we like to call ourselves. Um, And she has a company in um, washable um, panty liners and sanitary products. Right.
0: Wow. And is she in the the Netherlands?
1: She is. She's not in Almere, sadly for me. (laughs) But um
0: quite close by, yeah. So what what's her name and her and her business name?
1: Uh, her company is called Lotus, Lotte Lotta Pets. Her actual name is Lotta. Okay. Yeah. And I I think it would be great uh every woman needs sanitary products uh monthly, starting the age of well, might even be ten or eleven. And um if we can reduce the waste from that. Um, and at the same time, she she has the happiest prince. So when you are the most down in your month, yeah, she calls it you have a party in your pants. And <laughs> it puts Brilliant. the smile on my face every month. <laughs> this is something I think every woman needs. Fantastic. Um, because it's dreadful enough to have your period and if you can make it a happier period for yourself, but not intended in this case, <laughs> it is a great gift.
0: Yeah, that, yeah. And if you
1: also save environmental, uh, um, if you don't contribute to uh, waste
0: in this way, I think it's a big bonus. Absolutely. Um, and it's another one of those just, you know, thinking about things differently and suddenly a whole new way of doing things opens up you know it's 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 just a habit that we've been educated towards um and just thinking differently about it can can enable us to make really rapid changes so it's older how can people find out more and get in touch if they want to do just as just as i'm doing and commission you to um recreate or create from scratch some some jewelry? Um,
1: I have a website uh, which uh, is mainly in Dutch Uh, I'm working on an English version but it's challenging uh, because being a solopreneur I tend to do everything myself so I always have to figure out where to find the time to update the website or launch a second website in English or it's time consuming. But it's uh ww dot dash I think dot nl.
0: Yeah. Great. Well we'll put that link in the show notes. And um, I guess people whilst whilst I try and boycott Google, people could always use Google Translate um, to get a feel for what you're doing. Um but I'm I'm sure there'll be lots of people in the in the Netherlands who'll hear this and, um, be interested in, in exploring what you're doing. So Isolda, thank you so much for sharing the story of Isolda de Rida And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to continuing the conversation about, uh, our wedding rings and, um, particularly the logistics of getting them back, which we know is going <laughs> yeah. to be a, a challenge. Um, but yeah, thank you very much. You're so welcome. It was a pleasure. I loved hearing Isolde tell the story of her journey to being a circular goldsmith and in particular, how clear she was about the essential ingredients for her career. It has to be fulfilling, provide endless opportunities to learn and contribute to a better world. Those ingredients sound like they should be essential for all of us. Isolde reminded us about the difficulty of recycling e-waste. There are lots of ethical issues and we didn't even talk about the toxins involved in electronic waste. It was disappointing to hear that jewellery, like many other products, is following the fast fashion model. Making things cheaper, as we know, usually means someone or something is being exploited. In this case, it can lead to unfair trade terms, unfair wages, unsafe working conditions and the risk of money going to fund crime. I was a bit surprised to find out that we treat precious metals like many other possessions, not valuing them or finding ways to reuse what we already have. Hopefully, as more people get to find out about circular economy approaches, they'll start searching for circular goldsmiths and other artisans who are helping to close the loop on our tools and toys, getting them back into the system by restoring, upcycling and repurposing. This conversation with Isolde was a great reminder that there's so much more value and enjoyment in reviving or even recreating what we already have. I'm really pleased with the wedding rings that Isolde made for us. I mentioned that my husband had lost his wedding ring, so Isolde used the gold from my wedding ring plus some other old gold and made us two new matching wedding rings. The big bonus is that they're both more beautiful and more comfortable. Thanks, Isolde. So that's it for this episode of the Circular Economy Podcast. Thank you to our guest this week, Isolda de Ridder, founder of Isolde de ridder Sieraden, and thank you for listening. Thanks also to Hedda Razocki from the Upcycle Centrum for making this episode possible. As usual, you can find out more and follow Isolda on social media and find the other links we mentioned in the show notes at circulareconomypodcast.com. <laughs> If you want to find episodes on a particular circular economy strategy or for a market sector or specific countries, check out our interactive podcast index. There's a link on the podcast homepage at www.circulareconomypodcast.com and every episode includes an interview transcript. Don't forget that you can help make the circular economy happen too with the choices you make at work and in your everyday life buying pre-used, keeping what you have for longer, repairing it and making sure it has another life. And you can help spread the word, talk about the circular economy and help other people find this podcast by leaving us a rating and a review on your podcast app. Email a a screenshot of your review to podcast at rethinkglobal.info and we'll give you a shout out on the show. If you'd like to learn more about the circular economy, why not go back and listen to episode one and two or buy a copy of my award winning book, A Circular Economy Handbook, How to Build a More Resilient, Competitive and Sustainable Business. The book takes you through the concepts and practicalities with lots of real examples from all around the world. The Circular Economy podcast is brought to you by Rethink Global, helping you succeed with circular. You can find information on our talks, workshops, coaching and advice and circular economy resources at www.rethinkglobal.info or connect with me, Catherine Wheatman, on LinkedIn. Thanks so much for listening to the end. And if you like what you're hearing, please hit subscribe. And we'll see you next time.